0: Women Taking the Lead, episode 238. Be more patient. And I probably should tell myself that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want things now, uh, if not yesterday. And I think there there is a lot of wisdom in waiting and watching and and being purposeful instead of I hate tension. And so I often will make decisions just to get it off my plate kind of thing. And um, so I think that patience and kind of holding the tension and really going and doing the back to that self-trust piece is uh, something I wish I would have developed earlier earlier, but I'm continually working on now.
1: Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best-selling book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Okay, it's no secret that bra shopping isn't a jolly good time. I'd rather be shopping for some comfy yoga pants, a fantastic handbag, or some boots, Honestly, I'd rather be grocery shopping than bra shopping. But what if you could skip all the hassle and find a perfect-fitting bra in minutes? Have you heard of 3rd Love? 3rd Love has an online fit finder quiz that you take and they recommend the bra that's right for your size and shape. And get this, they offer bras in half-cup sizes so you can really find the perfect fit. There's so much to love, but don't take my word for it. Head over now to thirdlove.com forward slash WTL to find your perfect fitting bra and try it for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com forward slash WTL to try your new favorite bra for free. thirdlove.com forward slash WTL. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Sari De Lamotte who is the CEO and founder of Forte. She has trained extensively with an internationally recognized authority in nonverbal communication and leads seminars based in nonverbal communication strategies, Throughout the United States, Sari has spoken for and works with several members of the Inner Circle of Advocates, an invitation only group consisting of the top 100 trial attorneys in the United States. She's been a featured columnist for the Oregon Criminal Defense Lawyers Magazine, Oregon Defense Attorney, and for the Washington State Association
0: of Justice.
1: That's just a little intro for everyone, so tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings.
0: Well, let's see here. So I was a classically trained pianist, or I guess I still am a classically trained pianist, uh, literally, but I went to music school and got a bachelor's in music education and got, went on to grad school to get a uh, master's of science in teaching. I thought I wanted to do the university route and actually did teach at the university level for years. And the next step for me was to go on to get a doctorate, um, But around that time, a professor of mine asked me to attend a week long nonverbal communication training. And I asked her, I said, why on earth do I need to attend this training? And she said, because it's going to help you become a better teacher. And so I went because we do the things that our mentors tell us to do. And I was expecting what probably a lot of my clients now expect when they come to our seminars. You know, this is going to be the body language stuff. We're going to talk about how to tell if people are lying and so on and so forth. When I got there, I was totally amazed that it was all about how to communicate well yourself instead of trying to read other people and their thoughts and feelings and you know figure out what they're doing. And I was just hooked. And I chucked all my plans up to that point and said, whatever this is, I need to know more and I want to do this. And so I literally started from the ground up. I have no communications degree to this day and now own a communications consulting firm that's national Uh, All because I followed this passion, but boy, were there ever some bumps along the road.
1: (laughs) And sorry, I have to ask because clearly from your bio, there is a focus on attorneys and trial attorneys. How did you pivot into focusing on
0: that group? Well, it's interesting because the the man that was teaching that week-long training had a program where he helped teachers, and that's what I was doing, but I was at the university level, uh, manage their classrooms non-verbally, so classroom management techniques based on nonverbal communication. And I wasn't a classroom teacher, but that was kind of my end, so I, I followed him around the United States on my own dime and watched all of his trainings, he allowed me to do that for free. I'd take him to dinner that night and I would just ask him all the questions that I had. And then I approached a bunch of schools and asked them if they were interested in having this program. And I started my business that way in the, in the school system. And then about 2008-2009 the recession hit and I decided that I needed to get some help, so I hired a business coach. I couldn't afford a business coach. Let me just say that people listening might go, oh, well, sure, that must be nice. Let me say every decision I've made, I couldn't afford when I made it. But it was absolutely essential for me to believe that it would turn into something. And so that's exactly what happened. And she helped me adapt the content that I was doing in the school system to the corporate world. And so I started doing these trainings about how to deliver negative information and how to present information in a way that, you know, was accessible to your audience. And she got me some press. And from that press, a lawyer called and he said, I wonder if you could help me uh, with jury selection. And I thought, well, I don't see why not. It's the same kind of thing. And uh, that's really how it started. So that one thing I never said to myself, you know what I want to work with? I want to work with attorneys, uh, the most hated group on the planet. No, (laughs) I love my attorneys. But uh, I, it really chose me and I just went with it. It. and now i would say about 10% of my work is in the corporate realm i still get hired for keynotes and such uh, and training but about 90% of my work is with trial attorneys
1: yeah sometimes it looks that way in business your clients select you it's not that you you know select your clients or you suddenly start seeing trends in the types of people who are reaching out to you that for whatever reason what you have to offer really resonates with a specific population
0: yeah, and I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong, and not just women, but in general, when they're they're looking at what they want their lives to be, they have this, this sense, this purpose, this goal, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes that closes them off to seeing the other opportunities that are kind of right there on the peripheral and going, wait a minute, that might also fit Not in a way that I've ever thought about in my sense of what I want my life to be and what my goals are. And I think once you open up yourself to all the possibility, that's when really wonderful things can happen.
1: Absolutely. And sorry, clearly you, you've had success. Yes, there were challenges. I totally get that what you were stressing about, like, I couldn't afford this when I did it, or it wasn't convenient when I did it. But I, you know, you, you saw the long game and went after it. And so clearly there have, you've had success in your life, but there were times where you would not have said, I've made it. I'm there, you know. And so I always like to kind of like bring everybody to this, this point. In the interview, where we're talking about those moments of self doubt or the playing small moments. If you could share one of your playing small moments and the lessons you've learned from it.
0: You know, I, I think. it it happened more recently than, than in the beginning, which is odd. But for me, that's what happened um, is that, you know, we decided to expand and and my company and I hired a new trainer and I hired a business manager and it just all didn't work out. It was the wrong timing. It was, I don't, I'm still processing what happened there. And I really had a crisis of faith of, you know, this, what did I do? Am I, am, am I not, you know, set, really good at this? Is it is there something wrong? Is this the end of the line? Is this is where my success ends? I can't grow, I can only do as much as I'm doing now. And through some really great coaching, and I can't, I I can't recommend coaching highly enough, uh, because it's gotten me out of so many sticky situations. And when I say sticky situations, I mostly mean in my head, as it is for most people. I mean, of course, it's outside too. I mean, there's money stuff, there's all kinds of stuff, there's employee stuff. But I think that the biggest uh, advances we make are with ourselves and how we're thinking about things and so I really just kind of retreated for a while and started to question absolutely everything and when we go to that place I think it's easy to overlook the success that we have had even if it has been small even if you're at the very beginning it's so easy for us to say oh that's not that big a deal or you know that's not that's not really where I'm going so who cares about that and I had to really refocus and look back and and think you know I've come really far just because I've I've made a mistake, maybe even, uh, doesn't mean that all of this past uh, success has been erased. I think that's where we tend to go, is we, instead of just saying, wrong course, you know, let's continue, maybe I need to make a little bit of a right turn, or a little bit of a left turn, we start to look at everything we've done, and go, everything I've done is wrong, everything I think is wrong, the whole thing is wrong, and I think that's where, that's that's really the defining moments, I think, especially for those of us who are entrepreneurs, is what are we going to do now? Now that we made a quote-unquote mistake or something didn't work out, what are we really made of? And, and, you know, it's taken me probably five, six months to kind of get my coach my coach to coach me out of that and kind of get back up on the horse again because it was a real crisis
1: yeah it takes something I mean there's no changing the circumstances or the facts right the facts are the facts like this decision was made it didn't work out there were consequences and fallout from it but I love how you're pointing out but your experience of it is what you make it mean And that's that's all mental, but that can play havoc on us. And we don't realize the same power that created that experience could create a new one as well. And I think this is what you're saying is the coaching is helping you with.
0: Well, and I think also it's these moments where you decide, what, what are you going to do with it? I mean, it, was, it would have been so easy for me to go, well, forget it. This, you know That didn't work out. So let me go get a real job. Right. <laughs> and this is the time where you go, you start to look and go, why didn't it work out? And what can I do instead? And, and what I've come out of the other end is with a sharper focus mm-hmm. and a more clear identity of who I am and what my, com- want my company to be. You know, I was talking to that very same mentor that uh, I talked about back in music school, her and I are still friends 20 some years later. And she was saying, you know, we all want it to be even, right? We just want things to be even. We don't like we like the ups we don't like the downs so much but even would be nice and she said well if you look at that from a medical point of view you know you look at those heart monitors we're alive when it goes up and down when it flat lines, that means we're dead <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a great analogy is that to have the ups we also have to have the downs and yes we think we want it to be that flat straight line but that that's boring and we don't learn anything there and that's that's uh, it's not literal death spiritual death
1: right and that's important to point out it's great to have the ups. But usually what the ups mean is that we're just acting out the lessons we learned in the downs. Like without the downs, we would not learn new things. We wouldn't adapt and be ready for the next
0: up. Absolutely. We got to clear out some space sometimes for the next up to come.
1: Yes. All right. Sorry. The next question I want to ask you is all about leadership style. I think where we can get hung up and go wrong is we look at like one leader or a couple of leaders and we go, that's the way to lead. And we don't think about whether those leaders share our values, our personality styles, you know, our strengths, our past experience. And so we try to fit ourselves into this idea of what a leader is when the reality is, you know, like good leaders aren't based on those qualities like we all have different leadership styles and it's a great thing so sorry how would you describe your leadership style
0: well, my leadership style is basically, you know, take charge, you know, do things now, apologize for it later, and <laughs> that has gotten me uh, definitely to places where I where I want to go. But you know, I've also had to learn the uh, the opposite sides. I think leadership is not about just one type of style, but expanding your range. You know, I, I think we we tend to think, even especially when I do communication work, this comes up quite a bit about what what does it mean to be authentic, and so I think people tend to put themselves in boxes and other people, of course, and say, this is who I am. And then we we play small, going back to your idea, of that, that idea of playing small. We tend to think, this is it. This is who I am. This is how I like to communicate, lead, be with people. And we don't expand our range. And that's where it gets really good, both in terms of communication and in terms of leadership is when we can be bold, when we need to be bold, but we can also be human and really, real and kind and compassionate when we need to do that. We tend to think that they're, this style is for one person, this style is for another person. And we all have our natural strengths. As I said, mine is boldness and authentic and honest. That's me in a nutshell. But if I want to be really excellent as a leader, I need to access the other parts of myself that are in fact there. For example, we talk in my work a lot about the two basic nonverbal communication patterns. So you have your authoritative non- verbals that's where the palms are down the voice curls down if you're standing weight over both feet and then you have your approachable nonverbals where the voice curls up a little bit the palms face up you might have weight only on one side and so people tend to pick one of those boxes right off the bat they go oh I'm way more authoritative oh I'm I'm way more approachable and what we always say in our work is you have to be both and everyone is both somewhere in your life you are both and can access both pieces but True leadership means that you can stand at the front of a room when having to deliver bad news and turn your palms down and turn your voice down and get your weight over both feet and deliver it. But it also means that after that happens, you're out in the hallway and someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I'm really scared about these changes. And you say, I totally get it. Your voice curls up, your palms go up and you go, this is, this is, this is affecting me as well. Let's, let's jump in my office and talk about it. I mean, that's when charisma happens. And so I guess, I hope that's making sense. What I'm saying there is that you've got to access your range as a leader. And I think particularly for women, we've been kind of shoved in this box of what it means for women to lead. You know, I, read all these articles online, seven leadership tips for women. And I, I click it, open it. They're just leadership tips. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they're for women necessarily, but it's almost like we've been told there's one way that's okay for you to lead. That's not going to piss everybody off. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's being authentic. Yes. But also recognizing that you have range and giving yourself permission to expand that range. That's when the magic happens.
1: Yeah, it's all about being adaptable and recognizing what's needed in the situation.
0: Absolutely. We talk about nonverbal intelligence as three parts. It's awareness of what you're doing nonverbally and what other people are doing nonverbally. Not so you can read their nonverbals and make up stuff about what they're doing, but so that you can adapt, which is the second piece. you got to be adaptable to be nonverbally intelligent. It's not enough to know. You have to do something with it. And then the third piece is authentic, so that you're not doing it to be manipulative or manipulate people, but that you just really want excellent communication to happen and that absolutely takes all three pieces.
1: Mm, I love that. Sorry. And what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us?
0: Ah, I am working on a book. I have my first book deal. We have self-published. I have a self-published book on how to get the job. It's called um, Beyond a Firm Handshake. So we've self-published that book and that's done really well. But I have been offered a book contract by Trial Guides, which is actually local here in Portland, Oregon. So it's kind of nice to be near my publisher. And I am writing a book called From Hostages to Volunteers, all about how jurors, the regular people like you and I, not all lawyers, uh, are definitely hostages in the situation. that they're brought into. And then we ask them to make these really difficult decisions and, and use logic and reason and evidence when the whole time they don't want to be there and they don't know why they're there. And so how do we get those people to turn into willing volunteers that want to join our cause? I'm very excited about that book. Doing a lot of research right now. It should come out next year.
1: That sounds amazing because I can think of different situations where people are not in a courtroom and they feel like hostages. And what you want them to experience is being volunteers.
0: Absolutely, several situations where you are having to deal with, you know, your coworkers or your employees or people who just don't want to be in the situation that they're in. Absolutely, right. I'm here out of obligation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of thing. Yeah, or because, or because a judge tells me I have to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. And
1: on the flip side of things, sorry. What is the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now?
0: You know, I I think it was the one that I just spoke about, you know, that, that idea of, you know, this didn't work out, what next? And I can't, I can't, I said this before, but I cannot say it forcefully enough that when we are in those situations, I think particularly as women, we tend to to go inside and we tend to withdraw, at least I do, and we tend to think I've got to figure this out instead of reaching out, asking for help, and getting other input. I mean, this is really where we need our coaches, our friends, our mentors, and and to get those other people around us, particularly other women, who can hold us up during that time and remind us of who we are are and what our purpose is and give us that safe space to explore and experiment. I mean, I think, doing this for 15 years, it's, it's, it's fun to say, I'm still experimenting. I'm still exploring. I don't have it all figured out. And sometimes it takes a crisis like what I've just gone through to kind of bring me back to that and go, wait a minute, I need to relook at this yet again. It's constantly reinventing myself. Yeah. And that, that's a scary place, but it's also a really exciting place if you let it be.
1: Yeah, I can hear both in your voice. And if you're open to it, do you want to dive into this a little bit? Sure. Okay. So this is something you, you have been working on. You said this had happened like five or six months ago, and I'm sure you are like, like an onion, you have peeled back layers. So there were like the (laughs) initial things like the the shock and all of that, that you've, you've moved through, but there are obviously stages of getting through a crisis. Where, where are you facing the challenge with this right now?
0: You know, I think it's, all about, you know, we've, we've like, I love the onion analogy because we have peeled a back a lot of layers. And now it's actually, you know, I was in process mode. Now I'm in action mode. So that's where I am right now is what action do I now want to take based on what I've learned about myself and my business in the last six months. And there's been some hard things that I had to learn, uh, both about myself, my business and my employees and the people that I choose to have around me. And so now I'm at the position of actually making decisions about where I want to go. And that can be a scary place. That can be a scary place. So that's, Absolutely. That's where I'm at right now is the action piece. And especially when you we feel you've made decisions that didn't work out well, you know, it's always scary to go back and go okay, what's going to happen now? But it's gathering that that evidence of that you are good and that you, you are successful and that you have the power within you and that you'll be okay even if it doesn't work out exactly the way you thought it would.
1: Yeah, perfectly said. It's all about building trust within yourself
0: once again
1: so you can start making decisions that need to be made in your business.
0: Absolutely. And I think self-trust is something that we discount quite a bit uh, because especially for women, we tend to look outside ourselves. Uh, we talk a lot about this in, in several of our trainings and programs at Forte about how we're always waiting for someone else to deem us an expert at what we do, to tell us that we're good at what we do, to tell us that we finally have enough um training or experience to do the things that we want to do and what we always say is no one's ever going to come and tell you that right. no, no one's ever going to walk up to you and go okay you know what now you're ready to do this cool thing you've been wanting to do i mean you're talking to a former piano teacher who now runs a consulting firm if i were waiting for someone to say hey you have permission to do this i'd still be waiting i mean there was times when i'd walk into these lawyer offices and they would be talking about summary judgment this and you know defense motion that and i had no idea what they were talking about. But I had to walk in with the confidence that I knew what I was talking about and that I wasn't there to be a lawyer. I was there to help them communicate with jurors, which are my people. Those are my regular people. And that that's what my strength was in and that I would learn that as I as I went along. And I did learn it as I went along. And I think that's the piece that a lot of women are missing is they're just waiting They're I don't have enough experience. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know I have enough money. None of those things are good experiences excuses to wait to step out. Because it's not until you step out that you find what you need, and the people come along, and the resources come along. You've got to fake it till you make it. And I don't mean that in a inauthentic way. I mean, you got to put it out there and believe in yourself if anyone else is ever going to believe in you.
1: Right. Even even in the face of no evidence yet. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and sorry, what are what are some of the options? It sounds like you've gotten to a place where you know what your options are. You just haven't made a decision.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do around staff and Mm -hmm. what kind of staff we need and what direction. I think a big issue for me having done this for so long is that I'm trying to do everything. (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm business manager, I'm marketer, I'm the person out there actually doing the trainings or working on the trials. And so just that's my biggest thing, I think, is really just trying to figure out, um, what the roles are for everybody. And if there's new roles that need to be hired and and what that might look like and how that might free me up to do the work that I really need to do. I think part of my problem is that I've been very fractured and trying to have my fingers in all the pies instead of really focusing on what I do best, which is the training and consulting and keynoting.
1: Yeah, which then again comes back to the whole trust issue, right? Mm -hmm. Usually when we're trying to have our fingers in too many pies, it's because we haven't gotten to that place of trust that somebody else can do this as good or better than I can do
0: it. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I'm wondering if that was some of the lessons you've learned with, you know, the experience you've gone through over the past few months is that, like...
0: I definitely think so. I think that some of the things that I learned is that I trusted other people way more than I trusted myself. So there was was one situation where I was talking to my husband and he said, what does your gut say? And I said, my gut doesn't work, obviously. And so my husband said, well, wait a minute. Let me ask you, when did you know that situation A wasn't working out? And I said three months in and here we are a year later and he said okay so your gut works fine you just didn't listen to it and I thought oh he's so right and so I think that's you know that's part of it is that I think I I discounted trusting myself and 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 because I wanted to please other people and so I think it is a balance it is a balance of trusting other people to do what I've asked them to do but also trusting myself when things don't feel right and and holding people accountable
1: yeah, it's almost hard to truly trust other people unless we're trusting ourselves, too. I have a feeling you probably were feeling very even though you were, quote unquote, trusting other people, you really weren't. You were tolerating.
0: Yes. Other yes. people. Yeah. Right. You might be right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Because there you were getting that like queasy feeling that something was up, something wasn't right. But you were allowing it to go on because you had decided, like, I must have it wrong.
0: That's exactly right, and I think we do that as women uh, more than men for some reason. We just do. We just when something's wrong, we immediately think it's something wrong with us. That I've got it wrong. That I don't have this correct, and we discount how we're feeling. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over this past six months. And here I am, Miss Bold and Authentic and Real. And I that was the crisis. I thought, how did this happen? Um, And so that's been real good learning for me to go back and go. It's because. didn't trust my gut. Right.
1: And the the thing you can really take away from it, I'll offer this to you and you you can take it or leave it. Like you had everything you needed in that situation and you still do.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: That like amazing. Like I know for you going forward, like the, the one piece that was missing was just trusting your gut and your inner instincts. If you take that forward into this, this next phase of your business, holy smokes.
0: Absolutely, And that's why it's so exciting. That's why it's so exciting to look forward and, and to go, this is a big lesson to learn. But I'm so glad that I went through this because I'm going to come out stronger on the other side. I love
1: it. Sorry, that is exciting. I can't wait to see where this takes you. So, all right. Now, in terms of the interview, we're going on to the quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader?
0: One practice that I have. Well, I I think that the number one thing for me is self-care. I think leadership takes energy and we tend to just not, we tend to give, 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 and we don't take care of ourselves. So, for me, one of my practices that I've done for 10 or 15 years has been Julia Cameron's morning pages. So, the minute that I wake up in the morning, I pull out my notebook and I write three pages longhand um, and you just keep going even if you don't know what you're going to say you just keep writing I don't know what to say until something comes up and she calls it brain drain and I think it's really fantastic and it's, it's just such a great way to get clear before your day starts and just dump whatever your fears are about the day your plans for the day I hate my curtains I mean whatever it is onto that page and I, I've suggested her morning pages routine quite a bit for my clients who end up loving it, it's a great way to get clear because I think it's not only a way to focus, but it's a self-care piece because it's giving yourself that first 20 minutes or 15 minutes of the morning to say, I come first. And then, of course, after that, I go and I work out and I do all those kinds of things. But the morning pages, I think, has been the one thing that's been my my standard for the last 10, 15 years. It's just I, I feel weird when I don't do my morning pages. And it seems like an odd thing to suggest for a leadership skill. But I have clients who do it before trial. It's just a great way to, to get the brain clear and ready and focused for the day.
1: What advice would you give your younger self?
0: To be more patient. I think that's, and I. To probably should tell myself that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want things now, uh, if not yesterday. And I think there there is a lot of uh, wisdom in waiting and watching and and being purposeful instead of I hate tension. And so I often will make decisions just to get it off my plate kind of thing. And um, so I think that patience and kind of holding the tension and really going and doing it back to that self-trust piece is uh, something I wish I would have developed earlier, but I'm continually working on now.
1: Hmm. Now, sorry, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you.
0: Ah, success quote or mantra. I remember at reading that you wanted me to do that and I had forgotten all about that. Well, you know, I love Maya Angelou's um, quote that is people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how they felt. And I think that so much wraps up the work that I do when I'm working with trial attorneys or executives or anyone who's standing up in front of people and and delivering information is that we tend to get into the speechy mode or what am i going to say and how I'm going to wordsmith it and make sure it comes out exactly right. I always say, look, this isn't about the words. It's about you showing up in a real authentic way because that's what your audience wants. And I think that's true of leadership. And I think that's true across the board, whether you're giving a presentation or not, is that people are remember how they felt, not because you're necessarily making them feel good, but because you're real and honest and authentic. And that's so rare in today's world. So I'd have to say that that's probably the quote that comes to mind for me right now.
1: And lastly, sorry, what is the best way for this community to connect with you?
0: Well, they can go to our website, uh, nonverbalforte.com, F-O-R-T-E. That's our corporate site. It's actually going under some construction here in the next couple months. So keep an eye out for a brand new website. If they want to check out my legal work, that's uh, attorneywhisperer.com, which is what my nickname is, the Attorney Whisperer. But we do have a couple of offers for your listener. If they go to nonverbalforte.com backslash pump up the volume, they'll get a free ebook uh, that we've put together on how to live a big, bold life. Or if they're looking for a job, we've got some stuff for job seekers at nonverbalforte.com uh, backslash show up. So both of those things are some free resources, but we also have all kinds of free re- resources on our website, like the authoritative and approachable uh, downloadable sheet, things like that, things that are easy to access as you are going out in the world and trying to up your communication skills. Awesome. I
1: took a note of those. And for those of you who are listening, you know you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And sorry, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire, and enlighten us, we are all better for having met you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. If you have found yourself spinning your wheels
1: and not getting results, it's likely because you've not cultivated the mindset and level of awareness that will take you there. My book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing, is a simple step-by-step system that gives you the foundation and the structure to take a goal and make it happen. Go to womentakingthelead.com/accomplish to get your copy so you can start easily achieving the results you want to have. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead, and to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marian Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.